It's Monday, and that means it's time for a new episode of Interviewing People, the career cast where people can learn about a variety of careers from people actually doing the work. I'm your host, Brian Brott, and today I'll be talking with Kelly McKinley, who once walked these halls but is now an executive chef for Charleston Hospitality Group in Charleston, South Carolina. If you've ever wondered what it's like to be a chef, you'll find out from Kelly today. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the latest edition of Interviewing People, and today I have with us Kelly McKinley, a 2007 graduate from Van Buren High School, and she's going to be talking about her current career as an executive chef and how she started in that field, uh, became a pastry chef, and is now in that position of executive chef. So thank you very much, Kelly, for joining us today, and I'd love for you to tell us just a little bit about what it means to be an executive chef. It's not all cooking and baking. It's definitely a lot of paperwork and a lot of staring at an Excel spreadsheet. Um, you have to do a lot of extra things that I think a lot of people don't expect to do when they're in, in this field. And if you get higher up there where you have to do more duties than just cook, it's difficult. I mean, the, the executive chef is kind of like a coach of a football team. You kind of have to know where to put your good people. You know, you got to put your quarterback here, your receiver here, your defense over here doing prep. Like you have to have your people here. You have to have what my boss calls aces in places. And it's you have to learn who your people are and where to put them. And I'm just the coach telling them what they need to be doing. And you need to shift this way or you need to shift this way. So, so that person who's the quarterback – is that always the same in every kitchen, or is that different from day to day or different from kitchen to kitchen? Uh, how, how does that work, that, that most important person, that person that is right below you that kind of drives everything else on the field? Um, I mean, at my current position, um, I work for a restaurant that is mostly known for their brunch service. So your quarterback's the person who's making your omelets and cooking your eggs and doing your eggs benedict and the poached eggs for on top of the almighty avocado toast. <laughs> so you kind of want your strongest person to be on that position because if any position is going to drag, it's going to be that station because there's pretty much eggs on 95% of that menu. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to have your quarterback in the hardest position and the most demanding position because if that person's not doing good, you kind of have to shift and either go over and help them and, you know, drop their poached eggs for them and, you know, pull the, the over medium eggs that aren't too done, but not too underdone because people are very particular with their <laughs> eggs. So um, it's, 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 it's figuring out who your quarterback is and getting them to not only master that egg, that egg station, but know, how to multitask and help out people who aren't as good on other stations. Right. Because, you know, if you have a quarterback that's amazing and that gets ahead, then everybody else is kind of struggling to keep up with that quarterback. So you kind of have to have someone who not only is great, but also knows when to slow down, Right. you know, so to just kind of work with the flow of the kitchen. Definitely a team effort. So as you think about, who influenced you to go into this uh, industry? We know that your dad 
had a barbecue business. What kind of impact did that have on your choice to go into the food service industry? Um, I think my I was maybe junior or senior in high school when my dad opened his business and started doing that. Um, so at that point, I already knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I was the kid at my grandparents' house using Tinker Toys to make chicken nuggets and, and little salads and stuff like that. And I had this little restaurant. My grandfather used to wake me up in the middle of the night and we would watch uh, Iron Chef when Iron Chef was still the subtitled from Japan. So uh, he, he loved food. Even though he worked at Cooper Tire, he loved food. So we would sit up and watch Iron Chef a lot, right. at, you know, when I was supposed to be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so as you think back to your high school experience, is there anything that you look back and say, wow, that has really helped me? Uh, and is there anything that you look back and say, I wish I had done more of that when I was in high school to prepare myself for my career? I think the biggest thing that I did in high school that really influenced the person that I am was being in marching band. Um, we had the band director. I had Mr. Aiken in my school life from like elementary school all the way up to high school. So he always instilled on all of his students punctuality. And I'm pretty sure everyone who was ever in any of Mr. Aiken's classes knows if you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're in trouble. I don't know how many times I saw him lay into a student for being late. So you're always petrified to be late. I mean, I was like speeding down the, the road trying to beat a train. So I, so I couldn't get into trouble with Mr. Aiken. So punctuality is definitely something that I learned from Aiken. And also how to be, how to know that if I'm scheduled to be there, I'm, I better be there. Because if you're not there, then people around you kind of have to move and adjust. And all that practice and all that prepare, preparedness that you have is kind of out the window. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have a solo, then somebody else behind you who maybe not have practiced as much has to take that spot. And it's just a, it creates an undue amount of stress on everyone around you if you're just not going to show up or if you're late. So I think Rick Aiken really affected who I was. Yeah. What I wish I would have done more of was take more computer classes. I many a day sit in front of my computer and wonder how in the world I'm supposed to adjust this Excel spreadsheet to look more professional or not be four pages long. So <laughs> um, I definitely wish I would have paid more, uh, more attention in Hype Camps class. I definitely should have. Yeah. yeah. And we all have those regrets from high school. I, I think that's, that is typical. So as we think about when you graduated in 2007, uh, you didn't go to Le Cordon Bleu Culinary Institute in Chicago until 2008. Talk a little bit about what happened in that year between finishing high school and what led you to Chicago when you went there. Right out of high school, I went into hospitality management at the University of Akron. Uh, my parents were kind of not fully on board with me being a chef. My grandfather told me that I would never make any money from it because it's not a white collar career. It's more of a, a blue collar career. I think that's what he's, what he, mm -hmm. what he calls it. Yep. So, you know, I kind of, I was kind of looked down on for wanting to be a chef. They wanted me to get a well-rounded career. And so I chose the university of Akron because they had a hospitality management path. 
And that meant I get to spend time in the kitchen, but I also had to do management classes and surf safe and math classes and learn, you know, everything that a typical college freshman would learn. My fourth semester there, I took a baking class and um, the teacher brought in Betty Crocker cake mix for us to do a final exam of cake on. And I was furious that I was wasting my time and money on a you know, a class that I wasn't learning anything. And she was teaching a student how to pipe a rose on a rose nail with a rose tip. And she was holding the nail like the, you know, the rose tip is like a teardrop and she was holding it upside down. So the pretty beautiful petals that they're supposed to be with the thin top was a rose that ended up looking like somebody sat on it. <laughs> so I was, I was mad and frustrated and I left that class. And I told my mom that I didn't care what anybody thought. I wanted to go to culinary school. This is my life. This is my career. And I know what I want to be. And I have my step seven. I know where I want to be and how to get there. So there was an arts institute here in Charleston at the time that I was looking into. And then there was Le Cordon Bleu in Chicago that I was interested in. And I think anybody in the food world wants to go to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. But it's kind of out of pretty much 90% of anyone's budget and it's a lot of schooling and you're you know sequestered there pretty much you live on this big beautiful property like if you anyone does any research on culinary institute of america it's gorgeous campus gorgeous classrooms top of the notch everything you learn how to do everything from point a to point z but it's not obtainable for everybody it's not. It's it's not a program for everybody. You you have to have a certain amount of kitchen hours to even get accepted to the school. It's just, it's definitely not for everybody. And at that point, I had already gone into my fourth semester of college, and I felt like I was wasting money, and I just wanted to get into the real world. I knew I was going to have, you know, student loans to pay. I'm like, I just need to get a job and start working. So I chose the program that was the shortest. I ended up going to the Cordon Bleu in Chicago. They had a 15-month program, but the last three months, you were doing an externship wherever you wanted to be. So that's where I ended up. So you've worked at a variety of places over the course of your career. I guess I'd, I'd love to hear where you did your externship, and then thinking about some of the other places where you've worked, is there a place that sticks out as you know, a place that's been really useful to you or you've grown the most, learned the most? I did my externship at Dietz's. I worked in the back candy kitchen with all these older ladies who had been working there for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And they kind of took 20-year-old me and kind of made me feel like I was part of the family, even though I wasn't. Um, they really kind of taught me how to, to manage chocolate because chocolate is very hard to manage. It has to be in a certain temperature range or it's not going to set. And if it's, you know, one degree off or two degrees off, you'll, you'll have a gray spotty chocolate. And if it's too hot, it's not going to set. So you have to have this, this knowledge of, okay, the chocolate's getting too thick. It's not going over the pretzels thin enough. So you have to sit there and you have to warm up the chocolate. But if you warm it up too much, then everything gets thrown off. So it's, it's, it was learning real world skills that we learned from school. Right. And it was a lot of fun. I think the place that I work now, I learned the most. So that one kind of sticks out. I got hired to be a kitchen manager of one of the five toast restaurants. I started training in there. And then I asked about being a pastry chef. And they made me their pastry chef. And I was baking for nine restaurants. And then I was working at another toast restaurant. 
on the weekends because she didn't have a assistant kitchen manager. So I was filling in there too. So COVID happened, of course, and um, all the hourly staff was laid off, but we, we kept all the stores that we could open and all the salary managers were left to run the stores. And we were pretty much open for the same amount of hours, but we were working a crazy lot of hours and I was going around and working in a whole bunch of different restaurants because I was the pastry chef. So I didn't have a home store. So I was filling in people's days off and working at seven of the nine restaurants at the time I had had a hand in running it. So I kind of got a knowledge base of the entire company and I have a relationship with a lot of the people in the company. And so I can walk into any of them and pick up on the line and just kind of start working. And I have a well-rounded education in, in this, this company. Right. And so I can fill in wherever needed. That's, yeah, and that's, it's just crazy. Yeah, that's a good place to be, to be so versatile and, and be able to help in, in all the different areas and so forth. So you talked a little bit about knowing everyone. And as you think about the role relationships have played in getting you to where you are today, uh, have they been important to you? Do you go out of your way to network with other uh, people in your position at, at other places around the country and around the world? What role has that played in your career? I mean, it's played a huge part in, in, in anybody's career that works in the food and beverage industry. It's a, a small industry. Pretty much everyone knows each other, especially here in Charleston. It, the industry is teeny tiny. You know, there's a lot of restaurants in this town. It's littered with little mom and pop stores and big places. And this place only serves chicken tenders. And this place only serves burgers. And this place only serves chicken sandwiches. And, and it, there's just so many different restaurants, anything from a hole in the wall that all they serve is pork. And, and then you go got up to places like in downtown Charleston where it's Five Church. And they're known for these eccentric gastronomical messes on a plate where you're paying you know 60 70 dollars for like three bites of food that kind of restaurant so you walk you pay all this money and you walk out and you're still hungry that's the, those kind of places are there so you, you 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 got the same group of people that you're choosing from to work in your restaurant you never know which restaurant you're going to walk into for an interview you never know who's in that kitchen you never know who the executive chef is you never know who the owner is you never know who the sous chef is or you, you never know who's going to be in that kitchen when you walk into it for an interview. Right. You never know if it's the guy that you had to work next to that you didn't get along with and you fought over for a position. You don't know if that's your new boss. You don't know who it's going to be. So you kind of have to like get along with everybody and figure out what you can learn from the people that you're around so that you can be a more well-rounded chef and walk into another kitchen with more confidence because you learned it from this guy who's been doing it for 20 years. You, you have to build connections with people because somebody knows you in that restaurant and they know that you're an ace. They're going to tell the people, hey, they're really good at doing this or that, or they're really, you know, really good at being on time, or this person's barbecue sauce is so amazing and you need to hire them to get the recipe for me. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's who you know in the restaurant industry is how you're going to get the door open. I mean, having, having a, the, this piece of paper that says you graduated from the Cordon Bleu, yes, it opens doors because they know that you have a solid foundation. But in the real world, the more places that you work at and the more people that you learn from and the more people that you meet 
who know what they're doing and who has it as their passion. You know, you want to talk about personal branding. You got to know what you, what you weren't, where you want to go in your life and how to get to it. You can either brand yourself as pastry chef, executive chef, you know, what you, where your, where your end goal wants to be, or you can be a cook in the kitchen who you went to school for something else or a nurse or somebody else, but you, you're only doing this job because it's too cold outside to do construction. So you want to work in the kitchen. So you're doing it as a backup career. You, you kind of have to brand yourself as this is really what I want to be in my life. This is my passion. I want to be the best. I want to have the best looking food. I want everything to be cooked perfectly. Or you can just get it done, put your head down, do your job and go home. You, you kind of have to brand yourself of if this is my passion or if this is not my passion. Right. And you kind of have to set yourself apart and make sure people know who you are, what your, what your end goal is and how to get there. Well, I always appreciate good food, so I love those people that it is their passion because I agree, it, it definitely comes through in the food that is produced, and you can tell that people put their heart and soul into it, which it sounds like you do every day. So when we think about now that you are a veteran in this career, is there anything that you know now that you wish you had known when you were back in high school? This career is taxing on pretty much everything in your life. You have really long shifts. You're, you're, you're working while everyone is playing. You're playing while everyone's asleep and you're sleeping while everyone has their, you know, their typical day job. So you kind of have to learn how to be alone a lot. You have to miss out on family functions. You know, it's taxing on relationships. Many marriages fail because of it. Many, you know, you're, you're missing out on big things in your kid's life because you can't get it off. Or, you know, every holiday you're pretty much working. I mean, even the small mom and pop places, they may close on Christmas, but then they're back open. I mean, we were, we were closed on Christmas day, but we worked on Christmas Eve until I think six or seven, but then we were right back to work the next day right. and we worked New Year's Eve. We worked New Year's day we work Thanksgiving and all these holidays, we're working. So you kind of have to learn how to get along with people that you work with because you're with them when you want to be with your family. You're, you're with them 10, 12 hours a day, and then you get out of work and it's too late to go do anything. So you're hanging out with your coworkers. You know, on the days off you have off, it's usually in the middle of the week and you're too tired to do anything so you end up sitting around eating cold pizza because you don't want to cook because you cook for everybody else I mean, right, it's just, right right it's a lot well that's good good for people to know always good to go into a career as informed as possible and that's definitely more information for people so as we start to wrap up three hopefully fun questions and my first one is what's your favorite food i love potatoes and um i love cookies like yesterday, I had some extra time, and I'm training somebody, and he said that I need to make oatmeal raisin cookies, and we were fighting over the fact that I don't like oatmeal raisin cookies, but I like chocolate chip cookies. He was in a meeting, he came out of the meeting, and I had a fresh, warm oatmeal raisin cookie for him, and he was so excited. He started <laughs> jumping up and down like a child, and ate the cookie, and was so excited. So um, I love making cookies for people and seeing their smile because cookies are so nostalgic yeah i love them 
and they're good. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know most people, I would agree with you, don't like the whole raisin idea. I'm definitely a chocolate chip person myself. So um, <laughs> on second question, what, what country's cuisine is your favorite to make? I am in the deep, deep south of Charleston, South Carolina, and I love southern food. I love making and eating southern food. It's rich, it's fatty, but you also have a lot of acid and stuff to cut through that rich, fatty stuff. So, I mean, making big pots of collard greens and all different kinds of fried chicken and and all these really interesting southern desserts that I had no idea, like Huguenot tort and um, hummingbird cake, which has no bird in it, you know? I mean, it's all these fun, like, Italian cream cake and uh, what's it, the caramel cake with caramel, like, boiled caramel icing. Like, I, I get to learn all these new southern things that I had no idea, like cheese straws. Cheese straws are amazing. They're like Cheez-Its, but they're it's like, it's like a dough made out of cheese and eggs, and you, you roll them out and you dip them in pimento cheese, so it's cheese on cheese on cheese. And... Mm. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so much fun things that I'm learning, especially being in Charleston where you've got um, people who used to live here uh, way, 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 way back then. Um, they're indigenous to the area. The Gullah, Gullah cuisine is here, like Gullah Gullah Island, the t- that TV show. So, you know, you can learn the ways of the Gullah people. They have their own dialect and everything. And you can go to like remote parts of Charleston and still see Gullah restaurants and go in and have cuisine from people who are Gullah and you learn from the history of Charleston and you know everybody in Charleston is like trying to do things the indigenous way now like they're starting to like bring out different new like different new but like old styles of rice like Charleston gold rice that they used to grow back here I don't know I just I love the south I love Charleston we have like the oldest running tea plantation here, the Charleston tea plantation. And you can go there and walk around and taste different kinds of teas and learn about all of it. There's just a lot of history here. Right. And with history, you get the food. Yeah. That's what I love about Charleston's food scene is you get the history of everything. Right. So as you think about the food that most people have never eaten that you think they should try, what would that be? Oysters. There's a thing in Charleston called oyster roasts. You get to pay a certain amount of money. Usually, they they usually do them for like fundraisers, like the the the, the chicken dinner party things that we used to do in high school. Right. They do they do oyster roasts where mm-hmm. you it's all you can eat oysters. You, you have these tables that you walk up to, you stand into, and there's two holes. They're trash cans, and it's like this this like particle board setup on like. It's like a particle board with two holes on it, and it's sitting on chairs. Like it, it barely looks like it's going to stand up. And then they bring over these big steam, steam, steamer baskets full of oysters, and they dump it on the table. And it's cold because the oyster season is any month with an R. So that's pretty much explanatory. January, February, <laughs> March, April, and then you get to, like, October, November, September, December, all those – any 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 – month with an R you can get oysters and even at restaurants that don't have oysters on the menu they've always got oysters and they'll always put it on the menu for appetizers and they'll give you like this bucket of oysters and you just sit there and pick them apart because Charleston oysters are like a cluster of rocks and you're having to sit through and 
pick out the oysters. I mean, they're cooked, but they're still kind of slimy, but right. it's fun. You, you, you know, you just get to ha- hang out with your people and, and enjoy the Charleston winters, yeah. which, you know, it's, it's, it's a winter day today, but the sun is out and it's 65 degrees. Oh, geez. Yeah. That'd be, <laughs> nice. That'd be really nice. It's I think uh, low twenties here today. So, so, Awesome answers, awesome uh, insights into your career. If anyone would like to learn more about uh, a career in the food service industry, how could they contact you? Um, you can contact me. My email address is bakery at charlestonhospitalitygroup.com, all one long word. And um, you can also find me on Facebook, and I have a LinkedIn account. Um, pretty much get in contact with me with any other way. I love talking about this career. It's so much fun, but it's definitely not for everybody. You definitely have to have a thick skin and know what you're coming into. All right. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Kelly. Greatly appreciate it. Hope that you enjoy the rest of your nice warm winter in South (laughs) Carolina. And hopefully with COVID, hopefully coming to an end, hopefully things will start to get back to normal in all of your restaurants and everything will uh, continue smoothly for the rest of your career. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for watching this episode of the Interviewing People CareerCast. And to be sure you don't miss additional career information, please click subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is released. Thank you for watching. And as always, remember the best part about Mondays is interviewing people.